The Sports Pen on ESPN, UP, WZAM, Ishpeming, Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for hanging out with us on your Thursday afternoon. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette in studio with us. Appreciate you being here as always. Good to have you back. Yep, thanks for having me. I tell Love you what, here. it's cold out. It's, it's starting out. to get a little nasty. Everything's getting postponed you know, and canceled. You know, I grew up here and every winter it's the same thing, yeah. you know, especially this uh, winter. You know, I thought we were going to try to sneak through it with without these frigid cold temperatures, but you know, the jokes on me. And uh yeah, this is this is the UP man. And you either love it or you hate it and you got to you got to deal with it, but yeah, I mean, when you talk about cold temperatures and wind chill, you want to be careful with that. Um, you know, it, it's very dangerous, but, um, this is just the, the, you know, it's, it's not a surprise, you know, it's, it's, it's the UP, it's the winter and this is what we got to deal with. I mean, our game of the week tonight was supposed to be the West, our West Iron County, uh, Gwynn girls basketball game. It's mm-hmm. canceled. So we're just going to have to put that on pause and wait till it gets postponed and, and, and replayed, I guess. And in case you missed it, Westwood boys basketball home this evening against Iron Mountain has been postponed to Monday, February 4th. Westwood wrestling at Ishpeming has been canceled. No makeup date. And Westwood swimming and diving at Manistique has been postponed. No makeup date has been announced yet. So everything's getting postponed. It's cold up here. Man, it's been a slow news cycle a little bit. And it's weird to say that because this is always a market. Sports media is always a market that has something going on. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, it's just been kind of dead lately, it seems like. We had a really rare, slow day. I mean, the Browns are having an absolute dumpster fire going on right now, or at least they had one, and now all the skeletons in that closet are being revealed. But... Does that, does that surprise us, though? No, it shouldn't. It, 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 it almost it seemed shouldn't. like it was too good to be true for I a little know. while. It's like, wow, they're actually getting it together. But it's one of those organizations. They take a few steps forward, and then they fall into something. And then it's a few steps back, and uh, you just want to see that team do good. I mean, I'm, I'm a kind of a closet Browns fan. I mm-hmm. like to see, you know, uh, historically bad organizations, uh, you know, get out of that trend and mm-hmm. actually do well. And the Browns are one of those teams. I, the one team that – Maybe I don't want to see ever do good as the Detroit Lions. No yeah. offense, but you know it'd be nice to see the Lions uh, competitive. I like when they're 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 competitive, but the Browns is one of those organizations, kind of like Detroit. You know, just can't seem to put it all together. You just gotta know when your team name is the Browns that you can't be expecting much, right? Like, who thought that was a good idea? You know, I, I guess know it, why I, they did. I, you know, it's know. it's history. I mean, it's the history and the coach and things like that. Um, but when your main color, your primary color is orange, yeah. And you're named the Browns. It just, it's, there's something off. The mascot's a bulldog. I mean, I mean, those are the little things that could really, you know, push your organization forward. I think, you know, a, a cool team name, um, making your players feel like they look good, mm-hmm. and and you know, the uniforms are, are key. That's a good start. Um, the Browns, they just don't have it. You know, as much as you want to try to make it cool, it's 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 just not. It's just ugly. So, uh, Ken Wickersham came out with an expose detailing everything that went down during the Hugh Jackson era and what eventually led to his firing that when Trent Haslam went into his office to fire him, then Hugh's reaction was get the you-know-what out of here. And apparently they showed an X-rated movie accidentally was projected in front of the team. I mean, can that happen to any other organization? I mean, one, you got to be careful with what your, you know, your tabs are, yeah. you know, you got to be careful. But um, if you're Hugh Jackson, you got to saw this coming. I mean, mm-hmm. you're historically bad coach. 
Uh, I know it wasn't all Hugh Jackson's fault. He's actually a pretty good uh, coordinator, but, you know, he's put in a very tough position. And, yeah, those were transition years. But, I mean, you won, like, what, a couple games? Mm-hmm. Lost, like, 30? Like, it's it's just not good. You know, you got to expect to be fired if you're not producing. You know, it's what have you done for me lately. He wasn't producing, so... Uh, I mean, he had to have seen it coming. I don't, I don't get that reaction. I would have been like, uh, "Well, I saw this coming." It, yeah. it was, it's been fun. I don't know where Hugh Jackson is going to coach again in the NFL, but I feel like he will. I don't know if he'll ever be a head coach again, but he could be a coordinator. I mean, you don't have to be a great head coach to be a good coordinator. Guys like Wade Phillips have proven that for us. I feel like maybe there's a spot for Hugh Jackson in the NFL again. But I don't know if any team's fan base will be happy about them hiring Hugh Jackson. I just can't imagine where he would be a good fit. Right, and I do agree with you. I think there there are some coaches that um, are just made to be coordinators. Mm-hmm. I think it um, to be a head coach. I think your organizational skills have to be you know over the top. You have to you know obviously have a hand, be able to to. Um, resonate with with all the players um when you're a head coach and and really get them to believe and and you got to be able to lead you know a group of of men uh so to say um and some guys you know they they can do it it, to a a smaller extent when they're more focused on just one side of the football um and you know they have a bigger better grasp of of you know maybe just running the offense or just running the defense and then when you get to the head coach there's just so much more you have to oversee so much more responsibilities and things like that and some guys just they just can't handle it and I do think there's a handful of coaches that have been head uh you know assistant coaches or coordinators that have moved to the head coaching position and you know just haven't been able to do it and then that's fine I mean but you do see some of these head coaches lose their 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 position and then go back to being coordinators and they're just fine so I, I do think Hugh Jackson is one of those guys um that you know was pretty successful before he came to the to the Browns obviously um to be you know chosen for that head coaching position um you know I just think people forget and when you only win a couple games in in your tenure I think you know it's easy to forget you know what type of coach you were prior to that well, i tell you what one news that has been uh, one piece of news i should say that's been trending lately is harden at the garden and today's the five-year anniversary of carmelo anthony dropping 62 points in a game harden last night scores a career best 61 he's been on an absolute tear lately strictly offensive i mean he's the best player in the game if we're talking from a strictly offensive perspective he's the best player in the nba right now right I would have to say uh, so. I mean, offensively, just out of the out of this world, um, the way he can get to the basket at will. You know, it seems effortless when he's out there shooting. You know, it's almost like he's just an autopilot right now, just so in the zone. Obviously, in the prime of his career, um, and and it's just a unique talent. You know, him and, and Steph Curry and guys like that, Kevin Durant. These are all offensive, you know, juggernauts. But um, last night, prior to the game, he said he he needed a a career game at the Garden, or he wanted a you know that that career-defining game at Madison Square Garden you know he had that in his head and to go out there and perform the way he he does and did when you know his opponents are obviously trying to stop him at will you know as much as they can and he's just out there just toying with them almost it's almost like he's unstoppable and for him to just go in there with that mindset obviously you know call it like he wants to go in there and do that and then go out and do it and in front of all that those people in such a historic arena I mean it's just incredible and and he's breaking records this season you know he seems to have gotten better offensively which is insane to think about 
and um, you know he has such a unique game about him. He's, he's so um, unique in the way he can just you know get to the. Obviously, he travels a lot. The NBA lets him get, away, gets with away with it. He gets away with that, and you know he 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 kind of revolutionized the Euro step and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, but you know just the fact that he can get to the rim, the way he can score. Basically, at will, he he's a threat from all over the court. I mean, it's just incredible to see, and you know, he's just he's one of those talents. It always brings me back to the OKC team when they had Westbrook, Durant, and and Harden and things like that. What would have been if they could have kept those guys together? I think that would have been just insane. Um, but you know, he he went to Houston, and he he's obviously a gr- a great leader. Do you think that James Harden would be the player that he is now had he stayed in Oklahoma City? I'm not sure that he would have. That team would have been insane to see if they kept all those guys together. I don't know if they would have been able to do that with where they've gone in their careers. But do you think Harden would have evolved the way he has if he was still in the Thunder uniform? I don't think so. Uh, Just primarily because the Rockets had um, kind of relied on him so much offensively right when he got to to the Rockets. I think if he would have stayed in OKC, obviously, when you have a Westbrook who, who likes to dominate the ball and Kevin Durant obviously needs and should get touches um, every single game a certain amount of high quality. Um, obviously, he wouldn't have the ball in his hands as much. He was coming off the bench there. Even if he went into the starting role, he would have been more of a supporting supporting guy. I don't think he would have evolved his offensive game as much because he would, he would have did a lot more standing and shooting. But, I mean, just the one-on-ones he had to do when he went to the Rockets and, and you know, he's just... A, I mean, he's evolved tremendously, and obviously that team relies on him to score so much. If he was with OKC with those two other guys, I don't think he would have got, obviously, the shot quality, quantity, and I don't think he would have became the player he is today. You think about some of the Rockets personnel right now, and I mean, they're missing bodies big time. They need Clint Capella back. Chris Paul's missed a lot of time. Carmelo Anthony's out of there now. Does he have a future in the NBA? Where does, where does Melo land? The only team I can see him even going is if LeBron wanted him to come to L.A. I think um, at this point he has, he's had so many chances, you know, so many opportunities. You know, he's, he's got, jumped up to a couple teams, and he just hasn't been able to find a way to fit in with a group of, uh, or a team unless he's, you know, out there scoring, and he can't score like he used to. So um, I definitely think he's at the end of his career. Could I see him go to, to a team with LeBron? You know, one of his great friends obviously came into the league with him. And, and maybe go there and, and under LeBron's kind of leadership, he can maybe become a supporting player. Um, I could see that happening. Other than that, I mean, he got traded to the Bulls. They didn't even want anything to do with him. Obviously, mm-hmm. Houston wanted nothing to do with him. He didn't fit with OKC. Obviously, things with New York didn't work out. So, I mean, at this point, it's like, how many more chances do you get? And where do you go? Who needs you? I mean, I, I just don't see many more teams trying to take that chance um, to see if he still has something left in the tank. I think that could benefit the Lakers really well, though, because I think he still has something left in the tank. And the Lakers need that guy who's willing to be Robin to the Batman, that is LeBron James. Paul George likes taking on that role. And a lot of Laker fans feel that he should be in a Laker uniform right now and that the Lakers should be no worse than the third seed in the Western Conference right now. Carmelo could be that guy, you know, if he's willing to change his identity a little bit, that he could be a second-tier guy, but I feel like he could elevate the Lakers if he went there. I really think that could work. I think that would be one of the only places that would work for mm-hmm. a Carmelo. Like I said, um, when you're playing with LeBron, obviously there's there's an extra motivation there. 
Um, you know, like I said, they were good friends. I think when you go, if you went to a team like LA in that market, he'd be motivated. Obviously, he has to be feeling the pressure. Like my career is about to end. I'm only going to get so many more chances. Why not go play with a LeBron, who's obviously going to dominate the ball? But I could just be there and, and be that supporting guy. Um, and it might be destiny. You know, they came in the league together. Obviously, for those uh, first handful of years, it was like LeBron, Carmelo. They were being compared and things like that. Um, obviously, LeBron's career took a different route than than Carmelo's, but maybe this is maybe this was supposed to happen. Maybe towards the end of the career, he was supposed to go meet up with LeBron and they, and they try to win a championship. Who knows? But obviously, they can get him for cheap, um, you know. And and I don't think it it would hurt LA to take a shot, you know. When he's playing well, he's he was one of the better players that the league had. So I mean, if he could just come in and just give him that shooting or that scoring that they need, I think it'd be a good fit. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette in the studio with us. We're up against a break. We'll come back, and we've got college hoops to break down. Top 20 matchup this evening in the Hawkeye State. We're breaking it all down next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette in studio with us. Well, Jake, big one coming up tonight down in Iowa City, Iowa. You've got 6th-ranked Michigan State visiting 19th-ranked Iowa, a top-20 Big Ten showdown. That's going to be a lot of fun down there. Carver Hawkeye is a great place for a basketball game. Fantastic atmosphere. Students are all getting in free tonight at the University of Iowa. That's going to be the game to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, Iowa's playing their best basketball of the season. Um, winners of, of five straight, and they've only lost one in, in their last 11. So um, they're coming off a win. Um, they haven't lost since early uh, this month, January 3rd. Um, and obviously MSU, MSU playing. They're on a 12-game win streak. Um, last loss coming on January 13th. Um, you know, and they haven't really suffered a loss in the Big Ten. So I mean, uh, MSU. They they played last year. Obviously MSU winning um, in a close one, 96-93 in that one. So you know it's going to be a good game. Obviously Iowa showing they're a top 25 team. Michigan State. I can't. You know, as a Michigan basketball fan, Michigan State's always right there. You know what I mean? Right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was very disappointed in Michigan's uh, loss earlier because I thought they were actually going to get the number one seed which, or number one ranking, which would have been nice. But yeah. um, Michigan State proving they're, uh, again, under Tom Izzo, who's just been consistent there at Michigan State. A very good team, playing good basketball. You know, something he's got to give here tonight. I, I think Michigan State's going to go on the road and win this one, in a close one. I do, too. I mean, you think about Iowa and the turnaround that they've had since last season where they were sub-500. I saw them live, and they were a bad team a season ago. And they're figuring things out, and it seemed like they were missing that on-ball defender. They didn't have Peter Jock last season. They were really missing that guy who could come up and play the ball. You needed a versatile point guard to beat Iowa. Then they had a few guys transfer out, and it really looked like they were going to hurt this season, like they were going to struggle. And somehow, some way, they figured things out. They brought in a great recruiting class this season. They got a couple of homegrown, corn-fed Iowans and put them into the lineup, and they've looked really good uh, since coming up. I'm going to just guess tall, lengthy. Tall you know, and lengthy, yes. Yes, so... It's uh, it's fun to see from that perspective that Iowa's starting to figure things out from inside the state in a way. It's weird to see the dynamic shift. I'm going off on an Iowa tangent, but it's weird to see the dynamic shift where 
Iowa basketball is recruiting in-state, and Iowa State is recruiting out-of-state. Used to be the other way around for the longest time. Right. I mean, whatever works, and, and it seems to be working right now um, for Iowa. Iowa has a couple young guys that can really score. Um, Tyler Cook, this junior, he's averaging you know 17 a game, 16 a game, doing very well. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's really just going to come down who can, who can make the – you know, those plays down the stretch. I know uh, Winston for MSU is dealing with um, some soreness in his knee. Um, so you got to kind of watch that. He's obviously a huge part to what Michigan State likes to do. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, man. It's going to be interesting to see. You always got to, you know, when you're facing a team like Iowa, one of those Big Ten just teams that like to, you know, just play solid defense and, and, and run their sets and, and you know, score score when they can um, in transition. I mean, they're going to be a tough team, especially at home. You know, that crowd's going to be crazy. And, you know, it's college basketball. Anything can happen. So, um, you know, any given night, anything can happen. It would be a huge win for Iowa. I think definitely a confidence builder if they can um, hold down home court and get the win tonight. Your Wolverines suffered their first loss this season on Saturday against Wisconsin, falling 64-54. But, man, they're right up. They're still number five in the country. I really like this Michigan team, and I feel they've been a little bit disrespected by the media, to be honest with you. I mean, they're a team that is looking like they will contend for the national title this year. And largely, they're flying under the radar for it. And, you know, maybe part of that is everyone's focused on Duke and that trio of freshmen that they have this year. And rightfully so. Those guys deserve a ton of credit. But Tennessee's number one in the country having a great year, and nobody seems to want to talk about them. Nobody seems to care. Mm -hmm. All that attention goes to Duke. Right. I mean, and, and Duke deserves it. They have, you know, some all-stars there, and they're high flyers, and they, you know, they're young guys, NBA prospects. Um, you know, they're an exciting team to watch. So I could see why the media and why everyone wants to jump on that Duke, that Duke bandwagon. But I felt like Michigan should have been ranked over them, number one, for prior to their loss to Wisconsin. I, um, I thought they were, you know, if you tell me, put Duke up against Michigan right now, I know Duke has some, some unique talent that could really take over games and things, but I think their youth is going to catch up to them at some mm -hmm. point, uh, especially when they're in those pressure situations. we kind of seen... You know, they looked really dominant early on, but we kind of see them come back to earth a little bit. But I think the experience of Michigan, um, obviously going into that national championship game and getting pretty much embarrassed in my eyes, um, you know, I think that's going to fuel a couple guys. You know, they got a couple young guys coming in. Obviously, John Beeline's a great coach. Um, and, and, you know, they, they don't lose very often. Obviously, against Minnesota a couple days ago, that was a close one. That would have been really bad if they'd stacked on a couple of losses. But um, they were going to lose one game. Wisconsin's a formidable opponent. Um, so I'm not too worried about it. But I do think this team has what it takes to make a deep run. I don't want to get too excited because, you know, that's you know, I've seen Michigan State have really, really good teams as well, and they get knocked out super early. So anything can happen. They just got to stay focused and just keep doing what they've been doing. And that's, you know, balance scoring. Um, lean on Matthews um, and, ju and just get guys going, and, and I think they have a good shot. Badgers are playing maybe their best basketball of the season right now. They got a win last night against Illinois. For a while, we were talking about, well, an 11-5 Badger team. Is there a possibility they won't make the tournament? But they're figuring things out, and I think everyone kind of expected that they would. But this could be a Badger team that could surprise people if they get uh Let's say, I don't know, a uh, little bit of a run going into the tournament. I don't want to speculate what kind of seed they're at right now because right. it's still too early for that. But if they get a run going into the tournament, they might be one of the last teams anyone wants to see because when they're hot, they're tough to beat. And I know that's cliche to say, but they use momentum better than a lot of teams uh, in 
around the country in college basketball. I mean, they just have that swagger about them that when they get going, they're on their own level. They're unique in that sense. Right. And, yeah, I mean, they're one of those teams that, um, you know, they, they seem to recruit pretty well. They're one of those those uh, programs that, you know, they kind of get those under-the-radar guys that just like to work hard and, and develop into good players. And they're obviously well-coached and, and, and things like that. Um, I don't know a lot about this squad this year. Um, I haven't really been paying too much attention, um, especially didn't want to pay attention to that Michigan game. But yeah, like you said, they're just one of those programs that you know every year seems to be able to reload and and figure things out and and you know kind of reinvent themselves and evolve and and just and just be a solid team and and yeah, they're one of those teams that can knock off anybody at any point. They could go up against Duke at any point, and if they played a good game, you know, could give Duke problems. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're they're one of those teams that you know you see Wisconsin. You know they're going to be well coached. You know they're going to be a tough opponent, and it's not going to be a cakewalk. So I do agree. I I, I wouldn't want to play them um, early on in the tournament. That would be a tough, tough little opening round game. I still think the ACC is the best conference in college basketball, but the Big Ten is the deepest, and this the, this might be the deepest year that we've seen from the Big Ten in the last decade. I mean, you look top to bottom, and it's cliche again, but here I, I keep going back to those cliches, <laughs> but anyone can beat each other on a given night. Like, hey. Rutgers isn't a gimme anymore. Maryland is not necessarily a gimme in the Big Ten. Minnesota had a terrible year last year, and now they're right on the cusp maybe of something special. And then Iowa with a huge bounce back. And even Nebraska's flirting with a, with a ranking every once in a while. It is cliche to say, but it's true. <laughs> I mean, it is true. I mean, you're not lying. I mean, I, I mean, it's college basketball, man. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not football where, you know, the dominant teams usually will be the teams that come out on top. Um, anytime you got two teams coming on the floor, all it takes is a, is a hot start to keep, to get that momentum. And, and uh, you know, basketball is a game of runs. If you could, if an te- underdog team can start the game off hot, um, obviously you're expecting a run from, from a better opponent, but, um, as long as you can stay in the the game, the longer you do stay in the game, anything can happen. And uh, there you go, a cliche again. Um, any team can beat any team, and and it it just it's crazy because I just remember the days when the Big Ten was almost a joke. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, you know you have those Big Ten ACC challenges and things like that, and the Big Tens were, teams were just getting run out of the gym. But the parity in college basketball is really good right now, and that's what makes it so good. The Big Ten ACC challenge will end in a tie every single year. That's my prediction because it always seems to end in a tie and it's always going to do it for the rest of our lives. That's my prediction. Probably, probably yeah. so. It seems like the bigger the bigger games, ACC almost usually gets the upper hand, but the Big Ten, like you said, with its depth, can win those like so-so teams going up against each other. Um, they usually kind of win those, but um, I'm okay with that. Anything surprise you about the college basketball slate this year? I mean, for me, certainly giving attention to the Marquette Golden Eagles, different Marquette, but, man, they, they're they a fun team to watch if you get a chance to really look at them. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, you know, I've I'm, I'm been focused a lot on high school basketball. Mm. Um you know, it's so only your job. It's you know that's that's basically what my my main focus is. So I haven't really got to see a lot of of the landscape of of college uh, basketball right now. I'm, I'm focused on Michigan, Michigan State, obviously. But um, Marquette, another one of those programs that you know just seems, you know, after Dwayne Wade came there and kind of lit it up for them, they're just one of those programs, man. That that are tough. They're tough. Um, good coaching. You've seen a couple pros come out of there that have been pretty formidable in the NBA. Um, you know, so yeah, the, the Marquette being decent it does not surprise me. 
Um, I, I, I just can't wait for this Michigan State-Michigan matchup. That's all I can say. And I, I hate that we have to wait until the end of February to get that. I mean, that's not fair. They have to play each other like twice in two weeks, right. and we have to wait until February, March. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. Obviously, it's going to be a great game. They're going to be two top ten teams going out uh, against each other. Um, and I just love, I just love when Michigan and Michigan State are good. You know, it, it just makes me feel good. I, I think Michigan's one of the better basketball states. So, you know, North Carolina, I guess you can say, is pretty good too. But yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a good one, man. It's going to be great. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette in studio with us. We got to take a timeout. We'll come back. We've got football to break down. Super Bowl's coming up. Who could be there next year? Some surprise teams, maybe, following the Rams' success model. That's coming up after this on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen lives here on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant hanging out with you. Thanks for being here with us. Well, we've got the matchup set for Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. Coming up about a week and a half from now, but... We get the Pro Bowl this weekend. Does anyone like the Pro Bowl anymore? You know, I don't even know if the NFL even does a great no. job more. Like, I, I sometimes I'm just like, I see these Pro Bowl things. I'm like, wait, is this what? Does the happening? NFL even like the Pro Bowl? Yeah, I don't even know if they like it. Um, honestly, I don't even know if the obviously the players. It's a good. It's a good way to be like, okay, I'm better than than the rest. You mm-hmm. know, obviously it's it's a, it's a a great accomplishment for the players, and I know it means a lot. But do I care about like a skills competition? I don't really. No. I don't know. I don't know. And then. I think if they made the Pro Bowl mean something, mm-hmm. maybe that would be a little bit better. But it's almost like the the NBA All Star Game. Like I already know what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it's not going to be a great competitive game for the most part. But I'm okay with that. Um, but I, I I do think it's it's cool to see all the stars kind of come out on one field and and play a game. I don't know how hard they're playing, but um, it is it is cool to just see all the different helmets and things like that, and just see the names and things like that of, of the great the great players in the league. I was watching a video on Twitter last night, popped up on my timeline, and it was the 2004 Pro Bowl, and that was a blast from the past, seeing some of those names and those guys who were, it just brings you back, and that's what I miss about the Pro Bowl, is when it was played in Hawaii after the Super Bowl, and you get literally the best of the best, not some watered-down thing that's, you know... It's a ratings booster for the NFL right now. Right, and they do a good job to just kind of keep you talking about the NFL. Obviously, we got a little bit of a break before before the Super Bowl, but now it's like, okay, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl. The best players aren't going to be playing in the no. Pro Bowl. The two teams that are playing in the Super Bowl loaded with Pro Bowl players, and you're not going to see them. So mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any sense um, to me why they do it before the Super Bowl. Um, but, I mean, I guess you're in the Super Bowl. That's good enough. You don't have to be in the Pro Bowl as well. I was on social media last night, and another thing that I saw was a photograph of Sean McVay in college, paired up next to Julian Edelman during his playing days at Kent State. Um, I I saw that, too. It's kind of mind-blowing to even think about just how young Sean McVay is. mm -hmm. Um, Like you said, pretty much the same age as Julian Edelman, who's still playing. you got to credit Julian Edelman for that. Sean McVay was actually pretty good Um, in his high school days. I was watching some... Some uh, highlights of him in high school. He was uh, he was pretty good, man. He was pretty good. Obviously played played some college football, but um, you know, just thinking how old Sean McVay is and what he's done and how he's kind of revolutionized the league. You know, early 30s. I mean, I'm pushing 30, so like to me, I kind of put myself. That would be like me jumping on and, and leading um, 
leading an NFL team, and that's kind of mind-blowing to mm-hmm. just think how fast he was able to do that. And then, obviously, just the way he, he kind of set the league on fire, I guess you can say, offensively, um, you know, leading that organization, getting the guys he wanted in there, high-powered, um, doing it the way he wanted to do it. And that's the way I would do it. I'd put all my eggs in one basket and try to win a Super Bowl and then rebuild. I think that's that's the way I would do it. And that's the way I think Green Bay needs to go with Aaron Rodgers. I think they need to make a huge run, make a couple splashes and, and get guys in there, pay, pay some guys. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. It's going to be crazy to see um, if he's able to win a Super Bowl. Just just where does that put him already? I um, mean, he's so young in his career, has having so much more years ahead of him. I mean, he could really be one of the greats. You brought up something that I want to touch on, and that's the Rams went all in on a Super Bowl this season. They signed some guys to some one-year deals. You're going to have a lot of expiring contracts here in the next year or two, particularly on defense. Guys like Tlaib, Peters, Joyner, Sue, Fowler, and those guys are all going to want to get paid. I don't know if they're going to keep them all together. So they did go all in this year to try and bring a title there. That was my prediction on the show a couple of weeks ago was that if the Rams don't do it this year, I don't think they're going to. It's going to take a little bit of a rebuild. I mean, um, they're lucky. I don't think they haven't paid Jared Goff yet. No. No, he's still on his, yeah. Um, And you see this a lot. There's a window when you draft a quarterback, um, you know, while they're on their rookie contract, you can really put a supporting cast around him um, before you have to pay him that next contract, which is going to take a huge chunk of your salary cap. Um, I think that's what the Rams did. You know, they they knew they had a five-year window where, four or five year window where they, they, they really didn't have to pay Jared Goff too much, so they, they put some guys around him. But um I do agree with you. Obviously after this season they're gonna not be as good. They'll still be good. Right. But they're just not gonna be super they're bowl not, good. Yeah, they're not gonna be Super Bowl good. And I mean they, they don't even hide it. You know, they're out there saying, Yeah, we went all in. This was the year. This is the year. Um so there's two ways to go about it. You can go about it like the way the Rams did and you know put all your you know everything on this one year and hope it works out and then you're going to have to obviously do some rebuilding or you can be a team like like the Packers or someone who likes to go through the draft and, and eventually try to get there um I'm I'm a fan of of you know we're playing for now let's do it now let's try to get as many Super Bowls as we can and and you know I just kind of like what the Rams are doing I like the team I like the way they did it bringing in you know Talib and, and Marcus Peters you know that's exciting to me and and you know that's what LA needed and and it's crazy to think. I, I know St. Louis uh, Rams fans. St. <laughs> Louis, Missouri is not happy, but, you know, whatever. What do you think they're feeling in St. Louis right now? Like, what are those fans feeling? It's got to be bittersweet. Yeah. It's got to be bittersweet. I mean, you obviously have a connection to the organization, the St. Louis Rams. Um, obviously, we're a huge part of, of that that town, that city. Um, I, would, I would be happy for them, but I would also be very sad because, mm-hmm. you know, Obviously, they moved out and, and went to, out to L.A., but you got you got to be happy for them. I kind of wish that it was, you know, speculating that the Chiefs and the Rams met in the Super Bowl and the Rams were still in St. Louis, and it'd be like the 85 World Series. I'd be so happy for the state of Missouri if that happened. Right. I was hoping for an all-L.A. Super Bowl. Yeah. But, but yeah, that would be that'd be interesting storyline. Um, and honestly... I would have loved to see the Chiefs. The Chiefs are in a similar position. They got Pat Mahomes now for a couple more years. They could really build around him, and they could do some of the same thing, you know, getting a great supporting cast. They obviously have some holes on that defense. It's also getting older, um, and running back is kind of a question for them. Yeah. Maybe you can get another weapon for Pat Mahomes, but, I mean, they're right there. But it would have been kind of pretty neat to see if it was Kansas City, uh, St. Louis in the, in the Super Bowl. So who's another team that could follow the Rams' building block to success? Who's a team that could 
take what Sean McVay's done and try to replicate it. For me, I think it's the Chargers. I think the Chargers are a team that could very easily go all in, bring some guys in. They have a great defense, but that's partly because they drafted well. Mm -hmm. But Phillip Rivers is aging. Clock's starting to tick on him. The Packers are in a similar situation that, you're right, I'd like to see them go all in and invest for a Super Bowl year. I don't think they're going to, just knowing that management, that front office. But the Chargers are a team that I could very easily see as being one who goes all out to try and take that next step and play for a Super Bowl next season. Right, and I do agree. I mean, they're right there. Um, they, they're one of those teams that have drafted extremely well. Um, you know, they've been able to find Derwin James. Obviously, I was on the floor crying when Green Bay just decided to trade out and not get Derwin James. Um, obviously, they got Alexander, so that was a good pickup. But, I mean, the Chargers are one of those teams. They have a supporting cast. Um, they have, you know, Phillip Rivers is there. I mean, they're right there. They're right there. They had a great season um, this season. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to – I think they have another year or two where they, they really could do something, and they're maybe just one piece away. Um, other teams, man um, – Seattle's a team that that's that's mm -hmm. right there. Yeah. Um, you know, you thought they kind of were out of it for a little bit, but they're just a couple pieces away. Obviously, with Russell Wilson and and they and have company. the management, they might do it too. That's what I'm saying. They actually have the man. You know, that's how they put together um, their last kind of dynasty they had going. They took a lot of chances on some guys and and brought in some guys and 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 it worked out. Obviously, that Earl Thomas thing is is a huge thing. He would be a huge piece, but they're just one of those teams that you know could definitely definitely be right there. I think Pittsburgh's right there. There's a lot of teams that are just right there that just need to fix something. Obviously, Pittsburgh's in a soap opera, but yeah. they got some things to work out. But there's there's a few teams that, that's right there. What about San Francisco? They've got a great offensive head coach, provided Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy. He's going to be a quarterback who can win you some games. You'll get Jarek McKinnon back. You have an all-pro fullback in Kyle Juszczyk. A great young tight end in George Kittle who's burst on the scene this year. And you might be able to land Antonio Brown. 49ers could absolutely be a good team next year. Yeah, I mean, they they have what it takes. It's all going to be, you know, what uh, Jimmy G can do if he can stay healthy. Obviously, he's showed he can be a really good quarterback. Um, just very unfortunate. I know a lot of Niners fans, one of my good buddies is a diehard Niners fan, was just, just broken when Jimmy Garoppolo went out. Um, they got the quarterback. You know, they've been drafting pretty high for the last few years, another high draft pick. I need to work on that defense a little bit. And like you said, if they could get an Antonio Brown or a number one receiver, I don't see why Why not. They, they have what it takes. They have a decent defensive line. Offensive line is pretty good. I know they've invested in that. So, yeah, I mean, they're one of those teams that's knocking on the door. There's so many teams. Chicago Bears yeah. in the NFC North. They're a team that can really bring it together. Um, I don't even know if they really need to add anybody. They just need to, I, they just exactly. need to, they just need Trubisky to, to gain experience at mm -hmm. this point and just try to hold things together and maybe add a little depth. They're another team. You know, there's so many teams, so many teams that are right there. Minnesota Vikings, they were supposed to be there this year. That's a team that has, has some personnel that can do it too. So, I mean, it's, it's insane, man. There's a lot of teams that are right there. All they need is one or two pieces, and they can really take them over the edge. To touch on your point, the Bears need to add a kicker, and the Vikings need offensive line help. Yeah. Because I, I'm not trying to be too harsh on Cody Parkey. I know what happened. The ball was tipped at the end, but he did struggle through the regular season. And I know Matt Nagy wasn't happy when he went on the Today Show and he talked about the field goal that wouldn't go that would have sent Chicago on to the divisional round of the playoffs. Right. And it's, it's, it, it's hard to say that because, obviously, when you're a kicker, it's such an important 
piece of the team and, mm-hmm. and you know you don't get so many opportunities um, you only get so many opportunities and unfortunately it didn't work out but um, Minnesota struggled with that for years missing field goals and, and you know it it's a complete team effort obviously that wasn't the the main reason you know it was the main reason they lost the game but they could have won the game in many different ways but um yeah i mean they're gonna have to try something out when you miss a a kick like that it's hard to bounce back it's really hard to bounce back so they definitely need to get someone who can come in there and and at least battle for that position jake durant from cbs marquette in studio with us we owe you our last time out we'll come back we've got super bowl predictions and then and an outfielder's on the move, a big name finding a new home in Major League Baseball. All that more coming up in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Thanks for hanging out with us as we wind you down to the 5 o'clock hour. I'm not ready to predict a score for the Super Bowl yet, but I do think the Patriots are going to win it. I think they're going to win by more than the projected two points that they're favored over the Rams. I don't know what the score is going to be. A lot can change until the Super Bowl happens. I just don't see any way that this Rams team is going to stack up against Tom Brady and the Patriots, a machine that Bill Belichick has when he enters the playoffs. I, too, agree. I think... New England is going to somehow win it. I think Tom Brady is going to get another ring. I think Bill Belichick is going to get another ring. I can almost just picture it being a really close game and Tom Brady going and either driving his team down for the, the game-winning touchdown or, or just the field goal. I just It's so hard to root against Tom Brady. Every time I have rooted against Tom Brady in a Super Bowl, they have won. Mm-hmm. And every time I jump on the Patriots bandwagon and just say, I just want to see history, like last year, they lose. Yeah. So it's it's really I, I kind of reverse jinx it. So I'm gonna go ahead and say that I think the Patriots. I'm gonna jump on that Patriots bandwagon, and I think they win a close one. I think it's gonna come down to the final seconds. I think it's gonna be dramatic. Um, you know that that Rams defense is is really good. That defensive line is really good. They have two vets. You know they're gonna make it difficult. And I know Sean McVay and company. You know I, I think they'll be able to score the ball. Um, I think they're gonna definitely run heavily. Have, the Rams are definitely gonna run heavy. And, and, and try to hit him over the top um, and definitely go after that rookie corner they have alongside um, Gilmore, I think. Um, Jackson is his name. Um, I think they're going to definitely try to pick on him a little bit, pick on their weaknesses. And, um, you know, the Patriots are going to come out and somehow have some ridiculous game plan that no one else no- could have even came up with. They're going to hit him where it hurts when you, when you talk about the Rams' defense, and, and Tom Brady's going to pick him apart. But I do think the Rams have what it take to, to take to score with them. I just think it's going to come down to Tom Brady just being great and winning it. I hope you're right. I hope we're going to get a great game. I don't have skin in the game. I don't really care who wins. I hope that we get a great game, but I fear that we won't. I just have this feeling in me that Tom Brady and the Patriots are such a well-oiled machine that they are going to win by two scores. I just have that weird feeling that there's not going to be a way for the Rams defense to stop them catch up what have you. i just don't know that they have what it takes to combat tom brady and what they bring to the table in the super bowl can very easily see this being a 10 to 14 point win for the pats right i mean especially if the, uh, the patriots jump out early the thing about tom brady is just so good and it's so hard to 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 get to him to you know sack the quarterback create some pressure and and kind of rattle him just because he's so good at 
at kind of reading the defense and just getting the ball away. It's, it's so frustrating as a defense. So when you neutralize that defensive line, you know, what, what can you really do if Aaron Donald can't get to him, if he's throwing the ball in two seconds and getting it out to his hot read and they're just kind of methodically driving down the field. I mean, that as a defense, that gets frustrating. And, uh, you know, he, he's the best at it. And then he knows when to pick and choose spots and when to really take his shots. And, and they've been able to convert on those those big plays. Um, and then, again, their running game you have to worry about with Michelle, just some random – I know he wasn't a random running back, but, of mm. course, they're going to draft him and he's going to be good. Of course. That's going to happen. You know what I mean? It's he just, wasn't even their first option Exactly. They're like, I will take him. He's going to be fine. And then, of course, he just comes out, and when they need it most, something about that organization, something about wearing that helmet, players perform well, and they, they want to be a part of that. And, and they're, they're focused, and they know what they have to do, and it's a team game. And it's just something about the Patriot way that, you know, when it, under Bill Belichick, when it comes down to it, these players, they make the plays and they know what they're doing and they don't let the moment get big, too big for them. Just because I think it's because of Bill Belichick and then obviously Tom Brady in the huddle. How can you be nervous when you got a guy who's done it a handful of times and mm-hmm. knows what it takes and, and is confident and you know has a chip on his shoulder? Worst thing you could have done was give Tom Brady a chip on his shoulder this season. Come on, man. He's the ultimate competitor. He's the greatest of all time. So um, what, a, what a way. You know, If they win the Super Bowl, is this the last we see of Tom Brady? Will he come back? Will Bill Belichick come back? Who knows? I still think Tom's got three to four years left in the NFL. If he stays healthy, I think he's got three to four effective years left. He can play till he's 45. I do think this is the end for Gronk, though. I think one way or another, Super Bowl Sunday is the end for him. Yeah, I mean, he's gotten beat up. You know, very good career. It seemed like it just flew by, but Mm -hmm. um, he just plays that position where, you know, there's been, he's had some big hits. You know, his body's taken a toll on him. The thing about Tom Brady is if he cannot get pressured and get sacked, I think he's reserving. You know his his body a little bit. You know, if he's the you know if his offensive line is giving him those seconds, and he's not getting hit. I don't see why he couldn't play longer. You know what I mean? But um, Gronk's definitely on his last leg. I think everyone kind of knows that. He knows that. I think if he obviously wins the Super Bowl, it's 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 over for him. You think about the coaching matchup. I'm excited to see these two scheme against each other, Belichick and McVeigh, because there may not be two people who understand the game of football more in America or the world, for that matter, than those two. But the thing is, McVeigh's never been here before. He's 32 years old. And I think Belichick just has a flat-out better team. I mean, they're both smart guys, and we're going to see one of the greatest coaching matchups in Super Bowl history. I just think the Patriots have a lot more to work with than the Rams do. I just They flat-out do, mm-hmm. and the protection they give Tom Brady, Rams' biggest strength is their defensive line. I don't know how much of a factor they're going to be. They're just going to sit back and pick apart that defense. I'm just I'm just picturing it right now. Right. Yeah, I can picture that, you know, I can picture that too. And it's it's kind of old school new school, but um Bill Belichick's always up and, and knows how to how to kind of neutralize teams' strengths and things like that. Um and then offensively, I'm I'm going to you know, or defensively for the Patriots, I can see them kind of go all in on trying to stop Gurley and Anderson and have Jared Goff pick you apart and hope that he has one of his games where he doesn't look too good. You know, get as much pressure as you can with Trey Flowers and company. Um, shut down that run game and and wait for Jared Goff to make a mistake. I think, you know, and do your best on him. I think they're going to make Jared Goff beat him through the air, and we're going to see if he can handle it. I mean, it's it's not going to be easy, but if the Rams get that run game going, it's so hard to stop them. Um, you can't let that happen, and, and I think they're going to be focused at, on the run game defensively. 
It's weird to think about, but has C.J. Anderson been the best running back for the Rams during these playoffs? I mean, Gurley has to be better than he was on Championship Sunday. He has to be has so to be. much better in the Super Bowl if they want any chance. Yeah, I, I think Gurley's going to have to score one or two touchdowns, um, be a factor in the passing game, um, rattle off a couple big runs, keep that momentum. But I do think you saw C.J. Anderson against Dallas. This is going to be Dallas's worst nightmare, mm. you know, all offseason. Um, but when you have a guy like Gurley, who's you know one of the best running backs in the league, it would be similar if Dallas was in. You need Ezekiel to do well. Mm-hmm. You know, you need Gurley to have an impact. You need him to be in the game. You need him to be mentally there, and you need him to be making plays because that will just open up that offense. If he's, you know, stuffed and he can't get anything going, then you're one-dimensional. Then it's going to be Jared Goff, and, and Jared Goff, he's been good at times. He's been prolific at times. He's also been really not so yeah. good. You know, and and so he has those games. And I could see Jared Goff going in and just laying an egg, throwing two picks. I could too. And, and, you know, like you said, Patriots win by two. We'll, we'll see. I hope it's a good game. I hope I'm wrong. I don't care who wins. I just want to see some good football. I'm worried that the best games are behind us, though, and that those were left back on Championship Sunday. Man, am I going to have to watch the Pro Bowl if I want to see a competitive football game? Am I really going to stoop to that level of watching the 2019 Pro Bowl? I don't know, man. I do think... I. See, I'm, I think it's going to be a close game. I think this Super Bowl is going to be close. I think it's going to come down to, to the, the last few you know, minutes. I really do. I don't know. I think the Rams, I think the Patriots are going to maybe jump out ahead and the Rams are going to do this little comeback thing. But I think it's going to be another Tom Brady show. And he's going to prove once again why he's so good. A couple of minutes left. I want to get to baseball and basketball. Some news broke around noon today regarding each of them. Dodgers get a shiny new toy, A.J. Pollock, a four-year deal that guarantees Pollock about $50 million. He's an awesome outfielder. I mean, he flat out is. And I feel for Arizona, I mean, a couple of years ago, they were a playoff team, you know, they all felt good about. And Pollock was pretty good complimentary piece. Uh, he's almost the Robin to Batman Goldschmidt. And now both of them are gone. Arizona underperformed last year. Yeah, he stays in the division, and he's with a rival. I mean, he's a better outfielder than a lot of people give him credit for. He's not a household name, but he probably should be. I mean, at $50 million, I mean, you're paying him for something. Yeah. Um, that'd be nice to sign something like that. Um, you know, Arizona, they're one of the, you know, they're a franchise that, you know, it's hard to retain players when, when you have the L.A. Dodgers and, and bigger markets kind of out here willing to pay guys. Um Arizona's loss is LA's gain. Obviously, LA has a really good team, um, and and yeah, I mean, this, he's going to be a big part to what they want to do. I mean, this is a team that is you know has eyes set on a championship. So, good pickup for LA. I would rather play in LA than Arizona. No offense, but fifty million sounds good in LA. Sounds good. I'm all right with that if I'm AJ Pollock. So he's on the next Dodger team that's going to get everybody's hopes up, only to lose again in the at World some point, Series. At some point, they got to they got to pull it off, right? Uh, they're not going to. Are do you it. sure? Yeah, it's not without a major rebuild. They've had too many chances for me to <laughs> want to see them succeed. I right. guess I if they were capable of winning a title, they would have done it by now with the Ross. That's my philosophy on the Dodgers. Yeah, but they'll still be good and. They are okay with where they are because they signed Doc Roberts to a four-year deal. Right. So they're okay with that, too. Finally in the NBA, Victor Oladipo, one of my favorite young players in basketball. He's out the rest of the season. He ruptured a quad last night. He's going to undergo surgery today to be determined. That's tough. I mean, Indiana's quietly snuck into the conversation for the Eastern Conference. And Oladipo is just electric. Seems like any time he's playing basketball in the state of Indiana... 
He's just awesome, and I hate to see this for him. Yeah, I mean, he was amazing at the University of Indiana. He went into the league, was kind of had a quiet start, went right to the Pacers, and somehow he became Oladipo again. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a big, it's a big hit to Indiana. I mean, he's kind of, you know, what that that team personifies, and that's you know, get get after it, you know, play some good defense and and get out there and run and 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 score. Um, Huge loss, obviously a great defender. Um, really good scorer, you know, has has everything you want. It was a very good leader for the team. That's a big hit. I mean, that's 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 a big one for Indiana. That really kind of kind of makes it kind of a lot harder for them to do what they want to do. And I like Oladipo. I like the way he plays. But you remember when he came into the league, no one really took him seriously. He was kind of bouncing around. No one seemed high on him. And then Pacers give him a shot. And- I mean, he's a diamond in the rough. Oh, yeah. Uh, sometimes it's all situation. Sometimes, you know, players go on. Look at uh, Eric Ebron. I got to bring this mm. up. Look at Eric Ebron, Detroit Lions fans. Got out of Detroit, and he's a pro bowler now. Um, sometimes it's just a fresh start, you know, and, and mentality for players. If it's not a good situation, confidence can get hit. But um, he just seemed to find the right situation for him. So it works out. Got to be happy if you're a quarterback like Andrew Luck and you've got tight ends like Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron. Two talented guys, plus Jack Doyle's like Andrew Luck's best friend in the world. Mm-hmm. Do they have a better friendship, or does Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz? That's the real question. I'm going to I'm gonna have to go Andrew Luck. There's something so? going on there in Philly right now with Wentz and everybody. Yeah, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't know if it's really a riff between, you know, I don't think it's Zach Ertz and him are no. riffing, but I think um, there's just been some questions with Wentz, but I just... You know, you got to be buddies with Andrew Luck. I mean, yeah. come on, he just seems like a good guy. He is a good guy. You know what I mean? Like you want to you want to play with him. And Indiana, Indianapolis has done what they needed to do. They rebuilt that offensive line. Um, a tight end is is key for a you know Andrew Luck likes to hit his tight ends. So you, you know they hit big on Ebron and obviously Doyle and, and you know they got a really good good franchise. They, they're up and coming. It's a few years ago this team was in shambles, but mm-hmm. it seems like they're pulling it together. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette is our guest today. Appreciate you as always. Make sure to stay warm, yes. stay inside, man. I will. It's getting cold out I there. I will. With all these cancellations, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I'm going to have to just, uh, I don't know, do something, I guess. I don't really know. <laughs> That's it for us on the Sports Pen. Thanks for tuning in on ESPN UP WZAM Ishpeming Marquette.